Welcome to this week's episode of Racers and Rental Cars. It is All-Star Week for NASCAR. It is back to Chicago for NHRA. And do you know which, which team I'm on right here? Huh? Let's go, Ross. Sorry, three weeks in a row. I'm going to talk about the guy. But before we get into all that, got a really special guest that is going to be on the show with us this week. And coming straight out of way down south, if you're a bracket racer, if you're a social media person, the name Shabs might ring a bell, but we're just going to call him Shabs until we get him on the show, but we're going to have a quick conversation. He and I have a lot of different perspectives. We're both, you know, obviously marketing people, sponsorships and motorsports, but he's got a little bit different insight and we got a laundry list of stuff that is going on in the world of motorsports, not to mention just professional sports, media, streaming, podcasting, just so many other things to talk about that really kind of set the table for the way a lot of different things are going to be going on, the way a lot of different sponsors, Fortune 500 companies and so forth are doing things and how it's just going to impact as we move forward through 2023 and into the future. We're going to get started on that right after this let's put it up for the weekend warriors it's your racers and rental cars podcast with your host top fuel cam cameron foray and his co-host mr top sportsman don o'neill keep on till they can't ignore you put it up for the weekend warriors all right this week's guest None other than Shabs coming in. Look at this guy. I thought I had a pretty decent hillbilly studio out here in my shop, but look at this. He's got a soundboard. Got this big old pole coming out of the ceiling and whatnot. But I mean, uh, good Lord, Shabs. Yeah, show everybody, right? Look, look at this. This is ridiculous. I, I mean, how do I bring a guest on that one-ups me in the equipment department? I mean, oh, look at him. He's got the nice little light ring for social media going on right there. Shabs, what's going on, my friend? Oh, not much, buddy. Not much, man. Just wrapping up another day of uh, pretending to work hard, I guess. <laughs> hey, no, well, <laughs> before, before we get started, I want you to tell I want you to tell the audience a little bit about you, and then I'll dive off into how our relationship inter has uh, intertwined itself over the years. Sure. Yeah. So. Um, I'm a little bit of a nomad when it comes to the motorsports world. You know, I grew up in a place that's not necessarily known as a hotbed uh, down in South Florida and uh, ended up actually through the internet getting hooked up with uh, Scotty Richardson and being his help and helping him watch when he was doing an online school, uh, doing that deal. Uh, was there for a while, kind of hopped out of there, was working for Luke, uh, helping him do his online deal. Uh, very similar business uh, model, so to speak. And then uh, I was over at uh, FTI for years. I was at Overkill Motorsports for years. Um, and then I got the opportunity to come out here to Frankenstein. And my role here at Frankenstein is a little bit different, but Frankenstein is a little bit of a different company. Um, I do work a little bit in the uh, marketing side of things, obviously, uh, whether that be creating videos or, uh, you know, writing articles for our landing pages, things like that. And also I get to play a small role in our uh, research and development uh, process as well. So I 
kind of get to do all of the fun stuff and none of like the crappy stuff. So it's pretty much the best job anyone could ever ask for, to be totally honest. Uh, it's, it's on, it's a dream come true. I've been here for five years now and for, you know, a 30 year old kid that, you know, just wants to be in this industry. I, I couldn't imagine a better role to be honest with you. Well, I was trying to remember today when it was that you sent me the text message and was like, Hey, I'm, I'm applying to this company. And I was like, man, I cannot remember how long he's been there. It, it actually seems like you've been there longer than five years. But then again, I guess for both of us, when we're, when we're doing things that we're passionate and we enjoy about time kind of, kind of screams by in that fact. Oh yeah, that's for sure, man. I mean, I remember the first time I ever got like a real professional opportunity in this industry was when I started that bracket racing memes page, like years and years ago, it was like the, it was the predecessor to double O shit show, you know? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And and now don't get me wrong, like like David and them have taken that level, like that style of uh, of community, because that's what I think, you know, memes and that Absolutely. stuff is. It's like a build, it's a building of community. They've taken it to such a level of creativity and execution that is far beyond my talent range. But like that was that was kind of the beginning of it. And that was the whole idea of it was trying to build a little bit of community without, you know, I was a little more uh reserved <laughs> than david and, and them are but uh you know through that i got so many different opportunities you know i got to write and drag illustrated i got to write and drag coverage i got to write and drag results.com um which are huge deals to me and i like you said man looking back on it now now i'm kind of thinking about it more it's pretty wild that i've been afforded these opportunities and been able to exercise the my creative bone and honestly a real niche area that I truly am passionate about and have been for my entire life. Oh, absolutely. And so if you think about it, like I, again, the keyboard warriors are always there in anything that we talk about, especially when it comes to social media and media, but bracket, you know, when you did bracket racing memes, like there's dirt track memes, there's motorcycle memes. Like it does not matter, right? If it's an enthusiast passion, I mean, I'm kind of closet. I've been like behind the scenes. I am into these reigning horses, right? A lot of, you know, you're, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like I never, never mm. knew what they were until I started watching Yellowstone. Right. And then I'm like, <laughs> they, they even have their own memes and so forth for those horses, right? These, these, guys, these oh, yeah. riders and so forth. And it's like, Everybody gets so like sensitive and, and uptight, right? And my whole thing is, is like with David and double O, the only time, and I, he and I talked off air because, you know, he was, I had him on the podcast. The only time I get, I get my quote unquote panties in a bunch is when it kind of goes off the rail at somebody's mom or daughter or sister, you know, something like that. I'm kind of, I'm out, you know, it's just, you know, I got three sisters and I got daughter. No, I'm out on that. Uh, you know, okay. There, there's a line. I, I even, even my silly ass has got a line. Okay. It, <laughs> it may, it may take a long time to get there, but I got a line. Oh yeah. I know. I can relate to that. That's, that's very, very understandable. Um, you know, like, like I said, it, 
I don't know of anybody that would sign off on 100% of everything that David has done, but there's no doubt about it that you can, you can't take away from what he's been able to provide and add to our racing community. So in my mind, I think that that's invaluable and it's a net gain of an unmeasurable amount for how much it helps build and help stir conversation in our little marketplace of bracket racing. Oh, so, so, you know, and I know you listen to the Dale, I know you listen to the Dale Jr. Download and so forth. And it, like you're a podcast person, you're, you're in, you're, you're listening to all these different platforms, just like myself. Right. And the one thing that our sport, and when I say our sport, I really legitimately mean the entire umbrella of drag racing. Okay. NHRA bracket racing, uh, NMCA, NMRA, uh, you know, ducks races, radio racing, even the no prep Kings, like it, it, if it brings attention and eyeballs, we need to have something to talk about. Okay. And mm -hmm. if, if we're not talking about Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, get into the race weekend, like we have three or four days of every week that we've got to fill with content and it needs to be in some way, shape or form. And there is no way that a day doesn't go by that David doesn't pop something out there that, you know, he, he is the best and I'll call it, I mean, he trolls and it's awesome. Like, I mean, you know, after ducks race, he made that post about me about freaking mozzarella sticks at the concession stand. I'm like, dude, you know, damn well, I don't eat mozzarella <laughs> sticks at the concession stands. You'd have been better off saying high noons though. You know, they're out of high noons. That's Don's look. Um, but so where, when you look back, like I, I've, I've already hit you here in the head a little bit and kind of knocked some cobwebs off. Like when you started bracket racing memes and that took off, did, did you, at what point did you go, okay, I'm done with this and, and I'm moving on to something else. So funny enough, I remember starting it. I remember the exact day. Now I don't remember what I made, but I remember the exact day. It was a uh, Christmas day. And I was at my grandmother's house. You know, it's like in the afternoon, like at, at the end of all this. And I saw something really funny uh, from in an unrelated field, you know, a different meme. And I was like, there is nothing like this that anybody's ever done about drag racing. So do it. Like it takes five minutes to make a Facebook page, you know, and did it and ran it up. And uh, I actually did that for. God, it feels like I probably did that for five ish years, three, something like that. And then uh, another guy kind of approached me about buying it, about buying the page because he wanted the followers to basically run ad campaigns through. And it's a legitimate, you know, human being. I knew right. who it was and stuff. And uh, I was, I kind of went back and forth on it. And I was like, it cost me zero dollars to do this. And what I got paid was pretty damn good for having a $0 investment in it. I mean, right. I was literally working at a golf course, you know, and was now all of a sudden a, had something of worth to sell uh, as far as it may not be a business or a business model, but is at least a, uh, an ad campaign space. And that's what he saw. And we came to a price and it was, 
pretty good for me. And uh, honestly, it worked out pretty well for him in the long run. But uh, yeah, basically just shuttled it off. And it blew me away as far as how many doors it opened. I mean, that opened doors for me to get into the World Footbreak Challenge, to get into the Spring Fling and, you know, provide different little services for those guys. Because this was at the... You got to remember, this is at the birth of using the internet to promote racing and using the internet to to try to promote individual brand styles for parts, you know, uh, for parts manufacturers, that is. So it was a very unique thing to be there at the precipice of it all uh, without intentionally trying to be there and just learning it and picking up different cues and like figuring out, you know, your audience timing and looking at insights and like, what the hell is this? Okay, well, this many, you know, okay. And then I have to go look at, you know, different marketing white papers and stuff like that to scroll through and be like, okay, so, oh, wow, this is good here. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, all right. That's interesting. And th- this thing says I'm doing good. So, okay, cool. They say this minimum number must be this thing. And now it's, you know, a little bit higher than whatever that might be. And, um, you know, it's just kind of moving around. And so it was just fun to uh, play around with that stuff. And, and it honestly afforded me a, a three... A, a solid three-year education that you literally could not go get anywhere else. No. And that's, you know, I always talked about it, like even in the, even in the army when I was recruiting and so forth and still today, I, you know, you have the philosophy, right? When you go to school, you learn something, you learn the book, the philosophy, right? And that's great that you know the philosophy. And then there's the practical execution and application of how it's really used and done on the ground in the real world. And and you're absolutely right. When you start trying to figure out what a, you know, an email address is worth, what an impression of an eyeball is worth. And, you know, and you're doing these ad placements and you're trying to have these conversations with companies. Like for me, it's, you know, you tell a company or someone that, their email list is worth one penny per, per email address that they have. They, they go, no, it's worth more than that. And you go, no, no, it's not. It's, it's really not. I mean, I'm, it's great that you've got a list, but it's really not worth more than that. Right. And, and then you have to try to explain because there isn't a book that it's just a, Hey, this is what, you know, it's really like doing speculative investing and so forth from that aspect, because you're projecting that you're going to get something out of, you know, basically nothing at that moment. Right. So let's, let's kind of dive a little bit further into that. I've been talking for about the last three or four months about meta and TikTok and, and these social media platforms and how it's now it's just turned into this big pay to play, right? Everybody wants their blue oh, check yeah. mark and, you know, and they want to pay for it. And I feel like it's time to move on into something else, right? It's like trying to find, like, it's why I went to YouTube. Like I'm, I'm way late as far as a podcast goes, right? Way late <laughs> going to YouTube. Way, way late. I mean, like way late, like I'm old, right? So, but it's, it, but it's the way that I feel like you're going to have an opportunity in the future because I mean, I have clients that spend money on Facebook and their ad impressions have tanked because it's just how the algorithm is and now what they want to do with meta and so forth. 
what are you what's your perspective for how you're doing things over there inside Frankenstein? And then also personally the way you're trying to approach it with a strategy. Sure. Yeah. So um my observation right now with with what we have set up. So you have to keep in mind I inherited these uh the social media media real estate is what I call it. So your YouTube right. page, your Facebook page, your Instagram page, all these things are in my mind real estate pieces. Okay. And your what you're trying to do is make your real estate as valuable as possible to the algorithm. Now that changes as far as like which way the wind is blowing in North Texas, because it is, there's, there's not a whole lot of consistency to it. There's trends, uh, but trends tend to die off or pick back up based on what the creators are using. So for instance, there was a, I would say it's about two years ago. Um, there was a trend where Cletus was basically taking his YouTube videos, right, cutting them down a little bit and putting them onto uh, the Facebook platform, right? Just Facebook. And they were doing tremendously well, right, for his engagement and stuff. Now, his his uh, followers, his audience and things like that are very dedicated. His content type is extremely entertaining. Uh, it lands, it does what I call lands. You know, it's it's an airplane. It, an airplane needs land on an airstrip, not in an apartment complex. So his content is landing beautifully. So the thing was at that time, it would appear that, oh, long form, you know, over three minutes, video on Facebook only is doing tremendously well right now, right? Well, then you try to apply that and if you're misusing a content type into a different brand to a different audience, things like that, it may not land. You may crash and burn and that happens. That's okay because you have to experiment. Um, but at, at the moment, like what I'm seeing is a lot of entertainment base. So yes, there may be information in there that you're trying to provide, like as far as from a, a parts manufacturer side here, uh, but, but people want to be entertained. You know, they open up their TikTok and when TikTok first started, it was like, you know, get some cool shots, put some decent music behind it. Uh, you don't got to do too much with transitions and things like that. And it'll land. Now, if you try to do that, you're probably not going to take off so well. It's not that what you did was a piece of crap. Um, it could look really good. It's just now when people open up TikTok, they are getting fed more. Uh, like my personal feed is a lot of stand-up comedy stuff because it's entertaining. And it's over, you know, uh, at least a minute 45, all the way up to five minutes. Some bits are a little bit longer, uh, things like that. And also there needs to be a buildup to a payoff, right? So you got to build something up and then pay it off. Uh, fishing videos do a great job of that. You know, you see just a guy with a rod bent over. And you're like, oh, what's in the water? Da, 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 goes on for a little while and boom, <laughs> excuse me. It's a big kingfish or something, you know? So it's all that buildup. And then the payoff uh, on the parts manufacturing side of that, that's really not easy to deliver right now. Uh, I'm reworking some of our stuff at the moment to try to bring that, uh, bring that out, but it's not necessarily the easiest thing because like, here's a cylinder head, you know, um, I've done it a couple times where it's done really well. The problem is, is that, you know, we can do that about a dozen times 
in all reality. So I'm trying to find more creative ways and more different ways of, of trying to present that to keep the eyeballs on there longer. And, and that, that works the same for Instagram. Uh, from what I've seen, you know, obviously it's a lot more video format. People, if you just tap the screen on your, uh, on your phone while you're watching something, it brings you into that real portal. And then you can just swipe up there and, you know, you're no longer in your normal news feed. You're now over here in reels and you're just watching stuff and it's the dopamine trigger just keeps going off again and again and again and again. Uh, that's kind of thing. Now on Meta right now, what is absolutely crushing it for me is I'm writing whole tech articles on Meta. So remember the days like people don't want to read, you know, on their phone. Like, yeah, those, those people are now wrong. They could be right two weeks from now. But today for the past few months, I've been doing a lot of different stuff on, uh, you know, the most recent one was like dry, you know, why would you want to dry deck a set of cylinder heads? That did really well. Um, you know, that, that landed on hundreds of thousands of people's phones and computers and other things like that. And it's just something interesting that maybe people have never thought about. And it's just the way that I kind of frame it. You know, I kind of, I take a lot of pride in my writing. Uh, it, it seems to be a craft that always has a place. And I feel like it's a tool in the toolkit that I can always go to and be able to create something that is going to be rewarding to the to the uh, viewer or reader. And now the the really hard part is just taking what you wrote and putting it into video format. Uh, I'm not the most natural on camera or into a microphone, as people can tell right now. I'm a little bit of a <laughs> slower talker, and I kind of think my what I'm going to say as it's pretty much coming out of my mouth. So uh, when I get to write, it's really nice to be able to slow down my thoughts and structure things. But it's it seems to be going pretty well right now. I just got to transition that stuff over. And that's that's what I'm seeing is is working well in the motorsports side. Because I'm seeing some other folks do it as well. Um, and it in my mind, it just works well because most of the people that are engaging with, uh, you know, whether it be NGK spark plugs or, you know, uh, us or uh, cam motion camshafts or, or whatever it may be with the the different people that manufacture products in our space as far as trying to sell products, not maybe not, you know, tickets to race fans, things like that, but people that are consuming these things, they want to learn, you know, uh, especially this younger generation that goes to a lot of install shops for their street cars and stuff. They're really not that educated and they understand that. So they're trying to go to places where they can obtain that education now, the reason why, whether it be to just be like kind of sound smart to their friends or on the internet or just for a genuine appreciation of what they're participating in, that I, I can't really answer. But I know that there is a demand for information about internal combustion engines at a minimum, and I can verify that across the board. Well, I mean, you're absolutely right, right? So this this thing... And your laptop, my laptop, right? This instant gratification of information, right? Google has made everybody about 4% smarter than what they truly are, right? As it doesn't matter what topic it is, right? And so that, that's a given. And, and I mean, and I'll be the first one, to, you know, if there's something that I'm just like, what am I looking for? I'm missing something right here in an approach or, or whatever, it's easy to go find a white paper to read about it, right? Somebody that's definitely knowledgeable and experienced. I myself at age 50 cannot wrap my head around the fact of using, well, one, I don't use it, TikTok. Um, 
using TikTok to be an educational format. I mean, there are some things on Instagram reels that are educational, like I'm a huge health nut and so forth. So there's, you know, there's certain things that, that I, you know, watch or whatever, mental health, I'm, you know, all of these little, these little areas, right. Just to pick up on little tidbits, but for somebody to sit back and watch you talk about, you know, CC in a chamber on a cylinder head and why it's important to make sure that you got proper clearances and, and valve relief and, and so forth. And it's on TikTok. I'm going, what? I, I mean, how have you expanded your network, like subscribers and email addresses? And I mean, are you really seeing a push in your metrics for sales? I mean, cause you know, everything that we do is, is about making a sale, right? Moving the, moving the bottom line. What are you seeing in, you know, internally for you guys? So obviously with the way that everything has kind of gone down over these past three years, right? You're going to have some, some funky data in there. Um, where we are at as far as manufacturing, because we are set up so totally different from where I think everyone else in our space is. You know, we we port Harley Davidson heads. You know, we just made 200 horsepower naturally aspirated to the tire on a Harley, uh, which is just ab absolutely ridiculous. We do that, you know, exclusively for a shop. And then we have other deals like we make uh, the build intake manifolds for the ProLine uh, ProMod customers and, you know, Radio Verse World, all that stuff on the ProCharger packages. Uh, we, once again, we do that exclusively for them. And those things have been tremendous. Uh, tr you know, they bolster our sales tremendously. There's no secret to that. We also manufacture our own cylinder heads. And so that's going to be serving a wider base of engine builders as well as retail customers. And then on the other side of that too, is we port OEM heads. So LS heads, you know, coyotes, uh, gen three Hemis. So we also offer that over here. And then, you know, we make build and take manifolds that also go along with that. And the biggest thing that has been a, a weird push and pull dynamic has been for the past two, three years, everybody in the world wants your stuff and they can't get it, right? And now money's a little bit more expensive and you know lead times have gotten better, but we don't really offer many just off the shelf, you know, buy it from a catalog type parts. It's still very much so of hey, you know, I'm customer A, I want to make 2500 on a twin turbo grudge car. And you're like, okay, cool, you're going to need at a minimum these things right here. And the kicker is it's going to be, you know, 10, 12 weeks on the valves. So no matter what, no matter how good we are at our job of hustling the cylinder heads through the shop and getting them over to the bench for assembly, no matter how good we are at making sure that, you know, our, our uh, from start to finish on an intake manifold, from cutting, you know, big cubes of billet down to something that's assembled with O-rings in it, ready with rails and everything else, that's already there we still have to wait for these other components to come in to finish the assembly. And that side of the business is not really slowed down. Uh, I would say the lower end of, of the market is what slowed down the most for us. But the, th the funny thing is that our email subscriber stuff keeps growing. Um, our Instagram is pretty high when you compare us to the rest of the market. And, and it has been kind of pl 
plateauing a, a little bit for the past, I'd say, six to eight months or so. Um, I, I just kind of think we're heading heading towards a ceiling of of the amount of people that want to see what we have to offer. And other than that, we're we're finally finding our nesting spot in the market share and in these outlets. Now our YouTube stuff is growing really great, but it's way behind all of our other places. Um, when I inherited our meta platforms, they were not in the most healthy state, uh, to say the least. They were Facebook was pretty pretty big. It was around uh, forty five thousand or so. We're up to like sixty two now. Our Instagram had like forty five hundred people. Now we're at ninety two thousand. Um, and our uh, YouTube stuff was just non existent. I made it. You know, I started it. And we try to only offer extremely high quality video stuff or really anything we do because it goes along with our brand and our product. But that takes people will really underestimate how much time and how much investment has to go into that to get to the right people to make sure everything looks good, everything sounds good. Everything is, you know, cherry. It's not, it's not, you can't do it for, for uh, pennies. You know, it, it, it definitely, definitely creates a lot of demand and a lot of uh, time away from your, from some of your extremely high output staff, because we want to make sure our information is correct. We want to make sure that we have, uh, the right minds and faces on the cameras talking about the right subjects. So that way the customer can really understand and, and, and feel like they're getting the correct information. Cause as you know, if you put out incorrect information, whether it be, you know, intentional or not intentional, you will be burned at the stake. If you put out information that is maybe not thought of yet and is too progressive for a development, you will also be burned at the stake. Um, I can't tell you how many times I have gone down that road and been seeing the blowback maybe from people saying like a large majority of things and then watch someone who is very educated, very experienced, chime into the comments and watch it all go away very quickly. Right. But it's because, you know, We've only been out in the public now for around five to seven years. The majority of this company's time has been in private development. <clears throat> excuse me, private development and private manufacturing for race teams. So now we're basically just opening. We've been opening the doors and and letting the public come in and purchase things. And of course, we still do our private stuff, but now it's just out in the open. As far as you know, who we're working with and who we're manufacturing things for. So it's it's really grown um, in our sales stuff. What's really fun is it's cut down with all of our tech stuff that we've done. It's cut down on the phone call time because they've watched you know five six things and they're like, yeah, I know I need copper seats in my deal. Yeah, I know I need ink and exhaust valves. Yeah, I know I need these rocker arms. And that has been a huge benefit for our sales guys because now guess what? They can get on to the next call. So. While sometimes I know that company presidents and CEOs and things like that may look at marketing as just a cost, 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 cost thing. Well, now, because the customer is a little bit more educated, it's now getting to the point where it's making you fractions of sales because you're able to, you know, if a sales guy can get an extra one or two calls, they're now making you more money. And if they can close those, at least more opportunities, you know, especially at a place like us, like we don't sell 
anything outright for I think less than three grand now. That sounds right. Um, we just went up on one product a little while ago when I got fully back here, and I think that's right. Yeah. So uh, the and we go as high up as you you can spend it. You can spend twenty five grand in here if Easily. you really want to. Yeah, it's it. It wouldn't be that unheard of. It, it's definitely happened quite a few times. What company do you look at in your in the space that you go, okay, this is this is kind of my bar. This is where I'm trying to get. What what is it for for you and Frankenstein that you that you kind of keep your eyes on? So as far as like, com- I don't really necessarily look to at too many other people in our space because I feel like we're in in a unique position and I can't necessarily compare myself to them. You know, our biggest competitors are engine builders that happen to do their own cylinder heads. So it's not even really, it, it, it's a unfair comparison to us and to them. You know what I mean? Um, there are plenty of engine builders that have, you know, CNC machines that can cut heads that they buy from, you know, Brodix or whoever it may be. And, uh, you know, that that cylinder head has been developed specifically for that engine package that they've put together. And it does more or less exactly what they want it to do, what their intentions were with it. Uh, when I like when I'm looking out for inspiration and things like that, I'm looking at other marketplaces that have a specific niche number one they have to be a hobby so you know motorsports is a hobby at the end of the day no matter if you're rick hendrick or you're like you or me you know having a race team is a hobby uh the second thing is is that i don't want an i'm not looking for like an equity group owned thing because they're more or less they've already reached success you know they're already right. more or less probably very profitable and things like that. And they're trying to just not rock the boat. They're trying to maintain an even okay. keel and just keep the money printing machine going. So those are the two criteria. One of them I would have to say would be Bahio sunglasses. Um, I'm not a customer of them, but they they work in the uh, saltwater, uh, saltwater fishing area. And they have a very unique brand. They have a thing where they, you know, give back to the community. Uh, you know, they, they do a big deal in planting mangroves and stuff in areas that are hurting for it in those habitats. And they offer a quality product. So, oh, that's the other thing. They have to, they have to be out towards the high end of their uh, range. So that is one that I draw a lot from. They're, they're very good at what they do. Um, I know nobody over there, but um, if anybody is over there that listens, I could use a pair of sunglasses. Um, <laughs> But besides that, you know, they do a great job. I also look at um, other companies that do that rely solely on a brand, such as uh, smaller craft brewery places uh, or distillers. Uh, you know, Papa's Pilar is a, play, uh, is a place that makes a rum. Um, they're based out of Key West and they live solely on a brand. And that's honestly where I got the idea to do a podcast from is they sponsored a podcast that I was already listening to and they came on board with it. And I was like, okay, that's actually really genius what they're doing and how it's set up, uh, who's on the show and things like that. And, and offering quality conversations uh, and entertainment and information. And I was like, wow, this is actually 
this is exactly what I would like to do, you know, because that's the other thing too. If you don't enjoy what you're doing, people aren't going to believe it. And if people don't believe that you like it or, or that you like what you're talking about, they're never going to buy it, you know, let alone want to understand it, want to know why it's, you know, better or why it's a piece of crap. It, it, it doesn't matter. They're just going to tune out. So those have been two of the companies that honestly I look at, and, you know, in the spirit world, your brand is your entire lifeline. It is everything. And seeing what steps they've gone through to create their quality, you know, content pieces and their uh, customer retention strategy and all these other different things are very impressive. You know, they're a much larger company than us, so they can afford a few more tools in the toolboxes than what we have. But it's it it shows building blocks, you know. And same thing with Bahia. You know, Bahia is, uh, is smaller than us, uh, but they are they have a such a they work in a space that allows for such creativity in so many different areas and ways that it can be a great refresher in my mind to deliver stuff here at Fed. You know, it's just, it's, I, I try to not look at too many other companies and what they do here or in our space simply because I feel like a lot of people are doing the same thing. Um, it, it's, it's very repetitious. Um, and don't get me wrong, it works. I know it works, but I get really bored really easily. So I have to continue to try to do new things and not only just to learn, but to also continue to offer our viewer, our potential customer or our existing customer a reason to still want to have the diamond either on their car or on their cylinder heads. Absolutely. I'm with you on that. I, you got about 20 seconds. If you don't capture my attention in 20 seconds, my squirrel gets really, really amped up and he's gone. You know, I'm moving on to something else. All right. Well, yep. we've talked enough about that. Let's talk about things in the business world that you and I might have uh, differences of opinions on potentially. <laughs> so right now you talk about, we talk about motorsports. You, you and I, we've, we've had conversations in the past and so forth. It's Chicago week. It's NHRA. They're going back to Joliet. What, what has been your take right now on, you know, this year of 2023 has been very roller coaster ish, if you will, as far as a new cycle goes for NHRA. We're obviously we've lost Brandomir, the potential of losing Phoenix, uh, you know, heck elite Erica, they, they can't do anything right. As everybody wants to talk about, we got Langdon, you know, being made a scapegoat and we, we got all these things going on. I'm over the four wides. Like, What's been some of the takes, you know, that that Shabs has if he was still making memes with, with Double O Shit Show as a, a consultant position? What what are some of the things that you've kind of absorbed, if you will, and kind of kind of sat back and said, ah, man, I really wish. Yeah, yeah, I would say this. You know, um, number one, I'm I'm super pumped that the NHR is heading back to the Chicago market. Um, when you look at fan bases, demographics, things like that. Chicago is still something you can't ignore. Uh, NASCAR obviously saw that and, and followed in suit. You know, they're doing the, the street race there, which that'll be, that'll be a unique situation uh, coming up this summer. But with the NHRA returning there, you have to, for, for someone that maybe doesn't pay attention that much to the NHRA stuff, Chicago is 
normally known as a place that has a super hectic schedule because you also usually have the Jags All-Stars accompanying you. And that can lead to funky schedules, especially if there's any weather thrown in there at all. Now that's a little bit different. I think when you know heading back to Chicago, the on-track product is going to be a little bit more predictable. Um, obviously, we've had some controversies in, well, every class uh, leading up so far this year. You know, nothing has been business as usual, as far as I would say, except for maybe in bikes. But uh, that's that's honestly like it. It, it. I think here in Chicago, it's going to be who is going to be able to take advantage of the missteps made by other teams, drivers, whatever you may want to put it as. Because moving forward from Chicago, it's kind of like moving into week six of the NFL or week seven of the NFL. You're going to, it's going to separate the contenders from the pretenders. Uh, You know, everybody wants to try to hype up every event that way. And it's, it's simply not, but are, are we going to see that these things are flukes or are we going to see that, that, Oh no, this is actually trending this way. You know, I kind of come from a baseball background. So regression to the mean can mean two things. It can mean that someone has sucked for a little while and is about to regress back to the mean of where their normal performance is, or someone has been just playing out of their mind and is going to start, you know, tapering back down. So which one is it? And I think at Chicago, we're going to find that out. Um, I wouldn't be shocked to see elite Erica, you know, all 13 of the cars they bring there. It feels like uh, pretty much finally show up have a clean weekend, make no noise as far as like no drama, no nothing, and just, you know, professional suit and tie, put the car in the beams, bang the gears four times, and see the wind light come on the wall every single time for an elite car this weekend. I would not be shocked by that. Also, on the other hand of that, I wouldn't be shocked if KB, or uh, not KB anymore, it's Titan now, um, does the same exact thing either. You know, it's, it's kind of hard to ignore those two Titans in that class. Uh, the whole Langdon thing in my mind is I'm trying to figure out a way to say it that doesn't, that's not going to wrinkle everybody's panties because I, I don't, I don't, I don't think I've necessarily have the most uh, PC take on this. And that's the fact that like with, with how Langdon did it, uh, you know, I would own up if I was Sean Langdon and just be like, and, and play, play the heel, you know, and just be like, yeah, I put you in an an uncomfortable position. Okay. So I came here to win, you know, like, like I don't need to make friends at the racetrack. I brought my own. So, okay. All right. That is what it is. And, and set that and move forward. It might be good for t-shirt sales. I don't know. Um, But there's no reason why, I just, I don't know. I feel, I feel like we, we're getting, people are getting real ticky tack over little stuff um, just because they, they, they've been doing it for a while and like, okay, yeah, this, this, this shit happens from time to time, you know, and you either accept it or you figure out how to work around it. You know, it, it's, it's really that simple to be honest with you at the end of the day. Well, I know from my standpoint, right. And again, this is, we'll, we'll talk about it when we, when we start talking about Ross, but I felt like this year, the Coletta camp, J.R. Todd and Sean Langdon both missed opportunities to be the bad guy. J.R. 
You can yeah. read it on his face when Forrest ran over him. He wanted to go off, right? And like that would have been that would have been the dividing split in funny car. J.R. Todd calls out, you need to retire, get out of the car, blah, blah, blah. Right? Like there was a PR push there that we could have some t-shirt sales and J.R. Todd could be the heel. And it's valid. I mean, it's somewhat valid, right? Right. Uh, how so, many How many people do, do you want to get next to, to a senior citizen in Top Sportsman? Dude, I have, I have like, told, I mean, made the comment. No, he can go ahead of me. And, and just, yeah, I mean, exactly. I've done that before. Yeah, no, I'm not going to be beside him. Yeah, yeah, right. You, you I, can send him first. I I get it. You know what I mean? Like, I, personally, now if I'm paired up with him, you know, it is what it is. You, we got to go, you know, got to go do our thing. But if there there does come a point and, you know, nobody wants to have the Richard Petty retirement where you're not relevant no. for nearly a mm -hmm. decade. And I wouldn't say that. But here's the other thing, too, is you can flip it. Look at John Force still out here being a badass, you know? And yeah, you can it, play it. it. And see, I think like, okay, I'm for the fact of having the rivalry, the controversy. Again, we're talking about the news cycle, right? I am sorry, but we are still in an entertainment business and we need ratings and viewers and we need media to write and have an intriguing perspective about what we're doing. J.R. Todd calling out John Force, that would have been awesome. Would have been totally epic. Sean Langdon saying, you know what? I don't like him when he puts the helmet on. He might be a great guy, but when he puts the helmet on and pulls up beside me in the staging lanes, I want to crush him. And I'm not, I don't care if you don't like it. I really feel like at times we need to have a little bit of the reels, right? We need to have the, we need to cut promos. We need to have some WWE smack talk. And be okay with it. I think we need Erica to have a rivalry with Caruso. I, I mean, they always talk oh, about yeah. Erica, you know, and Matt Hartford or whatever, right? Or, or Erica and Greg and so forth. But, like, no. Like, it's, you know, Caruso. She's the new female in the class. Let them have a rivalry. Let let there be something to, to, to push that and so forth. We need more entertainment of smack talking. I don't want everybody to get along. That's you know, if we want to get along as human beings, that's fine. That's but fine. as competitors and racers, no, no, I, I'm not going to tell you that I like everybody that's in my class. Absolutely not. Are they? Can I like them as humans and respect them? Absolutely. But you roll up here and put a helmet on. Nah, I don't have to like you. And I may tell you when we get to the end of the racetrack. Yeah, I don't like you. Not why you're wearing a helmet. You know, and I think that's fair. Nobody, I mean, how many people in football play across the line from each other and then their families go and freaking, they go on vacation together, but they're out there smacking each other left and right. Like there's no tomorrow. And I think that's cool. Uh, and so let's, let's segue into that right here. Let's talk about Ross and Larson. Let's talk about the Chastain Kyle oh boy. battle, right? Let's talk about that. Don't, I mean, like. What, what is your take back uh, over there? Cause I know you're, you're, you, you like the entertainment, you like the hype and so forth. Oh, What's yeah. your take? Well, there's still no doubt about it. No matter how, uh, no matter how cliche and uh, what I, I call them phony, uh, the, the cars are, you know, the next gen car, 
it, it doesn't necessarily always lend itself to allowing the best driver or the best team to perform the best on the racetrack, right? However, Mr. Kyle Larson has proven that he is my generation's AJ Foyt, Mario Andretti. Nobody can ever take that away from him. Mm. Uh, He's won in seven different types of race cars at Eldora, which is just like stupid. You know how many people drive different, seven different types of race cars in their entire motorsports career. It's pretty rare. It's really rare. He's done it all at one track and not just driven and not just perform well, but one. He is the immovable object in my mind. You know, Kyle Larson's not going to wake up tomorrow and not have any talent. Then you have the other side, which is the unstoppable force, which is, you know, team no breaks over there at Ross Chastain. The guy will literally will himself to perform to the best of his ability for Trackhouse and Mr. 305 and Justin Marks there because he has to. You know, Ross Chastain has been through the cycle of restarting his career a few times over now. So every time Ross Chastain signs a deal with anybody, in his mind, I have to assume that he's thinking, this is the last contract I'm ever signing. And I think probably every racer that, you know, lives on a professional scale has to assume the same thing. But you got to understand for, for, the majority of racers in the country, overall, this it's not their job. It's not their profession. It's not how they feed their families. It's not how they put a roof over their family's head. For Kyle, uh, for Kyle Larson and Ross Chastain, it is. They're, they don't have another skill. They can't build you a shed in the backyard because they don't possess that skill set. However, these two guys can drive the living heck out of race cars. Um, I love Ross Chastain and I, I I'm in a weird spot. And I also love Kyle Larson, you know, but the thing is, and you, you just saw the other day or might've been today uh, that Justin Marks made, uh, made some remarks talking about how he's going to try to rein in Ross a little bit, you know, and, and maybe this isn't, you know, like the track house way or whatever it is. I think that's a little bit of a PR fumble because what do you have to lose? You know, you, you're not, you're not Hendrick Motorsports. You're you're not uh, RCR. You're not the Wood Brothers. You're not here because you have already proven to the entire industry and fan base that you quote unquote belong. You know, are they capable? Absolutely. Do they belong in my mind? Absolutely. Look at what they have done in their body of work in such a short period of time. They have way way outperformed teams that have been in the sport three, four times longer than that, especially at the cup level. But there's no reason to squash any of this. You know, uh, the whole thing with, you know, Noah and, uh, and Ross is a very simple situation. If you've ever seen a bar fight go down, they 99% of them look just like that, where some guy grabs some guy and he goes, don't touch me or stop it or let go. And it gets answered. You know, that's, that's all that was, in my opinion. You know, that that's not like a decade worth of transgressions and and being snarky back and forth to each other in private or whatever. And then it just boiled up. No, that was just an instant heat of the moment thing. Like, no, don't touch me. I don't like that. You know, stop it. And then bam. Now, of course, you know, that that defensive end that was in between them uh got a hold of 
Noah's right hook that was coming from about three counties over before it was about to land. Uh, and that would have been really interesting to see how that shook down. But uh, the, the thing with, with Kyle and Ross was they go off on, uh, on the, the first, the, uh, the first to last restart, whatever it is, second to last restart, sorry. And it was extremely tight neither one of them were going to give room and that was going to be what settled it. They were both willing to lay it on the line because like, okay, I can sacrifice the car. Now we saw it in the Xfinity race with, with Larson when he saw John Hunter Nemechek trying to get to his left rear quarter. And he's like, ah, I got to get away, you know? So he just decks it and he's like, I, okay, I pancake this car on the wall in the last corner. Who cares? And as he's pancake, John Hunter Nemechek has the same exact thought at the same exact time and they're both not going to make the corner. So it was the same exact situation. Just put it on the other side of the racetrack on the very last restart. I don't think either one of them are going to make the corner. And in my mind, you know, just watching that, obviously I don't have access to the data and things like that, but just observing, I really don't think any of them were going to be super clean or uh, what they would consider a, a, a quick lap around Darlington. But I'd be damned if we weren't all entertained based on that. Well, and that's, so I am, I am for it. That's what, I mean, we have to have this, right? Like, so I, I can sit here and put all three hats on. I'm the sanctioning body guys. I really don't want you fighting, right? Like Kevin Harvick came out, you know, the cars tour with junior and he's like, man, I, but, but, but again, I'm sitting over here going, Kevin, you are one that will throw down at a moment's notice in the garage, like between trailers, like you'll chase somebody through the garage area. Right. Okay, Kevin, I, I get it. You're older now, right? That was, that was younger, less. I give a F Harvick back then. Right. But at the same point I go as a fan, I want to know that my guy, if I'm a Ross Chastain or a track house fan, I want to know my guy, has zero s i'm 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 here to win that's what i'm getting paid to win now if justin tells him behind closed doors hey do me a favor for the next couple weeks let's not try to wall anybody let's let the embers kind of cool down and then turn him loose again well okay so be it we'll start the news cycle back up but you know i think it's been two or three years ago I heard Harvick on a, on a podcast talk about when he went to work for RCR that that when they had some low years, that their philosophy was if we weren't good on the track, we were going to give them something to talk about from off the track to distract everyone from talking about our lackluster performance on the track, right? A distraction deal right now. I think, I think Ross Chastain, is distract is doing nothing but living rent free in anybody that he comes up behind or pulls up beside. I believe it. I'm sorry. He is living rent free in everybody's head because he, uh, you know, the, the DBC guy say it, the, I don't give a F tour rolls on. And oh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm for him. I really am. I think he's great for the sport. I don't care that, Half the reporters or, or journalists on XM radio on Sirius, half of them don't like it. I don't care. That just gives you something to talk about. Oh, yeah. I mean, you look at, you know, 
uh, Bernard Pollard Jr., a guy that played in the NFL and is now watching NASCAR, you know, uh, and he he asked on Twitter, the, uh, I think it was yesterday, you know, he hears a lot of people making the comparison between Dale Earnhardt and Ross Chastain. And I answered it with like, it's it's kind of a reach, but it's also kind of appropriate um, as far as making that comparison. The reason why it's appropriate is because of what you just said. He's living rent-free in everybody's head. You know, nowadays, these cars change colors so many times, but when the spotter keys up and goes, hey, you know, the one is six out back and closing, that is a chilling factor for that driver now. They're like, oh, God, what the hell is Ross going to do? And guess what? That it just made it that much easier to get that position, right? At the same time, for Ross to be considered Dale Earnhardt, it's very simple what he has to do. He has to go win seven championships, a Daytona 500, and a slew of other crown jewels. You go do that, yeah, you're Dale Earnhardt. Absolutely, no doubt about it. While also living rent-free in everybody else's head? Uh-huh, 100%. The, the everything, track house merch, all that stuff, we're going to see those record sales if, if the same attitude continues and the success is delivered along with it. You know, it's it's one thing to be running around, you know, in behind 20th place and running your mouth like nobody wants to hear you like, no, stop. Like, you're not that you're guy. Fa- you're fodder. <laughs> exactly. Right. And the one thing, the one negative out of the Jeff Gordon era was that we get a lot more prim and proper people that are absolute badasses behind the wheel. And we the the marketing side of things never gets to take off because, you know, it's just another guy with a haircut from Supercuts and he's got, you know, X brand glasses on and whatever else. And he's sitting there drinking, you know, his favorite Starbucks drink or whatever it may be. And he, he goes home and he, the Jimmy Johnson thing, you know, like, oh, the biggest thing about Jimmy Johnson is, you know, rides a bicycle around the racetrack. And it's like, oh, okay, that's, that's cool. Uh... <laughs> like it was cool the first time you showed it to me on Race Hub. It wasn't cool right. the 75th time. Well, and, and, that's, and I so, was, yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, you know, you talk about the Dale, the Dale Earnhardt thing, listening Sunday night to Rick Hendrick, basically putting Ross Chastain and, and Justin Marks, putting them on notice, right? Like today I heard Junior say, you know, there's a soundbite from Rick Hendrick saying the same thing about his dad a couple decades ago. So if, if that's the case and that's the trajectory that we're on with, with Ross, dude, you're young freaking roll, dude. S- I mean, send it like, I mean, it, it's there. The potential is there. I don't know what his business manager is saying. And I don't know what Justin's saying, but if, if I was over there inside the fence and had anything to do with creativity of gas pedaling it, Dude, go because we're we're on the brink of something. Worst case scenario is you land at tip at a Tim Richmond comparison. Worst yeah, case. There you go. And that's that, that that's not bad. No. No, absolutely not. No, not at all. All right. Let's talk about because you and I are in this the brand thing and so forth. You know, there was a a, a lot of talk about, you know old Richard Petty Motorsports, legacy motor motor company or motor group now with Jimmy Johnson, leaving Chevrolet and going to Toyota. Changing brands, 
when we start to sit back as marketing people, as advertising, PR, social media, like right now, I feel like legacy is in a lame duck year. There's already been the reports of the fact that they've been basically cut off from Chevrolet on R&D, technical support, and we have two race drivers that are pretty badasses, Eric Jones and Noah Gregson, and these guys just look like they're going to be 15 to 20th place cars on a weekly basis. If you were over there, how hard would it be as a driver to sit back and go, well, I'm just sitting on my hands for the next 20 some weeks until I can get this year over with. The, the thing that you can do right now, if I was, if I was Noah or Eric is I'm going over to Bubba Wallace. I'm going over to Denny Hamlin. I'm going over to every Toyota guy that I can find. They're all coming to my house. We're all going to have a steak dinner um, on a Tuesday night or whatever it is. And then I'm going to find out which one of them, like which ones of them kind of like to party. And then I'm going to try to build some camaraderie with these drivers because Toyota is gaining as far as like, if I'm trying to improve my on-track stuff, Toyota is gaining in numbers, you know, and that, that may not sound like a super important thing, but in NASCAR, that's important four times a year. It's very important four times a year at the uh, plate races or whatever the hell they call them now. Um, and I want the guy that's going to try to push me to possibly a Daytona 500 win to be happy for me. I don't want him to be come, you know, be behind me coming off of turn four and being like, you know, I don't, I would never have a beer with that guy. Cause that's a subliminal thought that, that happens, you know, of just like, uh, like who cares if that guy's in, I, like, that's okay. You know, I, nobody cares if they finish 30th in Daytona 500, but I damn sure care about if I finish first. So I can improve my position just by getting them a little loose or whatever it may be, doing an uncomfortable, you know, bump heading into the trioval, whatever it is. You need to be able to build these relationships with these other drivers very, very quickly because it's like getting transferred from one school to another one. You are now the odd man out. And there's already a cohort, so to speak, of this Toyota click. And you need to be able to get a part of that and be in it right now. On the branding and marketing side of it, if I'm a driver, I'm not worried about it in the least little bit because guess who is the absolute best at promoting their drivers? Toyota. That's yes. not a secret at all. Chevrolet does practically nothing. They do more stuff with Dale Earnhardt Jr. even now, even though he's been removed from the car for so long, than anybody else. And I think that is probably one of the leading things, not maybe one of the leading things, but it definitely was a factor in why, you know, Jimmy Johnson and that whole group are departing from Chevrolet. Uh, there's no secret that Chevrolet has clicks. If you've ever worked with Chevrolet performance at a professional capacity, you understand that they are, they are hamstrung to a degree on what they are allowed to do. So now whether that is a competency uh, question within Chevrolet performance or not, I can't, I have no way to validate that. You know what I mean? By letting, by letting your seven-time champion walk away from what could be such an amazing opportunity in the first five months of the deal is pretty astounding to me. But I'm not shocked about it because like it's Chevrolet performance. Like I, I've, 
I've come to accept this reality. I'm maybe I'm a little bit jaded on it. Like I just look at it and go, like, oh yeah, no, that adds up. Um, but going to Toyota, like the the amount of resources that are available at Toyota are tremendous. Um, the amount of branding opportunities for not only the team aspect of it, but also the driver side of it, it are tremendous. If I had a hundred million dollars in a barrel that I just wanted to burn, and instead of doing that, go start a cup team. I'm going to be looking at Toyota just to be totally frank with you. You know, uh, yeah, Chevrolet does have the best engines. I can verify that. Uh, Ford has, has a lot of different offerings that when it comes to the B2B side for the team owners and things like that to make a lot of money with. But if I want to go win and winning is what matters to me in, in this hobby to get the most out of my investment and keep, keep this thing rolling... I'm going to go to Toyota because it has the best long-term outlook for somebody fresh. So that's, in my opinion, why it's so incentivizing. There's, you know, give me the reason why they shouldn't is my question when I go over to Ford or to Chevrolet, tell me why I'm not going to go to Toyota today. What is it? What do you have better in any aspect? Well, right now, if you just look at it, Toyota's roster gets really, really young, gets younger going into 2024 because Eric Jones and Noah are not old guys at all. No, not by and any you means. Got, you, you got Tyler Reddick. I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to probably say Denny Hamlin's the oldest guy in the Toyota camp. I mean, off the top of my head. I mean, Christopher Bell's young. I, I mean, you know, you, you got Bubba, Tyler Reddick. I mean, it's... It was, it was not the, I was not shocked. I was like, that makes sense. I, I mean, it just does. It, it just, it just right. makes sense. It, I mean, it, it just makes sense all the way around. And, and right, don't so, forget about all the resources that 2311 is bringing into to this situation as well. I mean, that's no, that, that is no shortage of cash flow coming in to help support that entire program, especially when it comes to sharing data and things like that. Like that is, that is insurmountable what they are building over there. And like now, now you have, you have that monster to deal with. You have Denny Hamlin and Jimmy Johnson, both team owners in this deal for Toyota. Wow. Oh, wow. Well, and, and I would say like 2311, and this kind of goes along where I was going with the next, next talking topic is that they're going to grow. As soon as we get a char- they get a charter deal done. As soon as NASCAR agrees in principle to the charter splits and the extension of the charters continuing moving forward, 2311 is going to grow. Even, even if they don't get another charter, if they can't buy Rick Ware out or they get in a bidding war with Dale Earnhardt, you know, with Junior and, and them starting a, a cup team, 2311 is going to grow. As soon, I mean, Hamlin stated it. He's like, we're waiting. As soon as this get, this is a business thing. And I think part of the first, you know, domino, if you will, fell on Monday and the NASCAR media deal expired contract. You know, it's open negotiation. Well, I, I read in a little business form, NASCAR met with Apple TV, Amazon, and YouTube in the first 36 hours of their of the expiration in the open negotiation and right now they're talking about the middle part of the summer is going to be nothing but a streaming surface 
for the midsummer events leading into the fall. You're only going to be able to watch those races on a streaming service. And I mean, you just had Peacock sign a $110 million deal for one playoff game for this upcoming year. $110 million. The only way you're going to be able to see the playoff game is on the streaming service, unless you're the local teams. If you're that market's team, you'll be able to watch it on local TV. $110 million. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're playing with big boy money here. You got to remember that. So, like, here's here's what I look at. I I love to go through. Adam Stern does a great job putting out the yes. number, the metrics for all the TV stuff. And I find it fascinating. The because you have so many different styles, or what I would like to call, you know, they're not necessarily styles because you're still broadcasting a motorsports event, but you have so many different flavors of yes. how you can do this just like you can in barbecue or cooking fish or cooking a steak, chicken, whatever. You got so many different flavors you can play with. The fastest growing motorsports broadcasting area in the last decade is in the most unlikely place you'll ever look. It's been in sim racing. Why did it grow the fastest out of everything else? Because it was free to watch. It cost you $0 to click on the thing and watch. Now, granted, they they started from zero, so they get a little bit more of an advantage than everybody else. Of course, the data is skewed that way. But what I'm trying to get at is, what is stopping NASCAR from putting the trucks and Xfinities on YouTube, on their, on their channel? Tell me in what way do they either A, lose money, because now they can negotiate all the commercial stuff themselves. They already know how to run a broadcast. That is not secret. They've been doing they've been doing live broadcasts since the late '80s. They know how this works. They can get the competent people in there. You know, you can just go steal. You know, who do you like over at NBC? Okay, we need that executive producer. We need this director. We need this guy, director of cameras. Blah 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 blah. Go steal them. That's what that industry is built upon now. You know, who's the good shot guy? Oh, it's this guy over at Roush. You know, okay, cool. How much money does he want? He wants eighty grand. Eight. Yeah, yeah, go go now. <laughs> Here's a check for 80 grand. Go tell him he's hired. You know, like there's money is not necessarily uh, such a limiting factor when it comes to uh, the massive colossus that NASCAR is. You got to remember, this is a multi-billion dollar business. So now you go out there and you take your lower tier stuff that's, you know, not necessarily your meat and your potatoes and you're putting it over here on YouTube for free. That's what I believe that that conversation is probably about because there's no downside to it. Now, when it comes to the cup stuff, that may be a little bit different. That may be like a YouTube TV exclusive offer. That may be a, like you said, Apple TV or a conjunction where now you have two people paying you to broadcast the same damn thing. What's better than selling one thing once? Selling the same exact thing at for twice the price because you got two customers that are buying the same thing. You know, that's why concerts have, you know, 50,000 people at them. That's why Taylor Swift plays in Nashville for three straight nights because you're doing the same thing. You're just getting paid that many more times over for it. That's a wonderful aspect of it. I'm sure if you ask any recording artist, they'd love to go play in a little bar, you know, a little dive bar to about two dozen people or so because you get such a great feedback from the crowd. But man, that money sure doesn't suck. 
So it's that's the the way that I that I see it. You know, you can build up your following, your your people that that want that you want to introduce to the sport through a platform like YouTube tremendously well. They have a monster of a YouTube channel already. It's not like they have to build this thing and get to that point. They already have a monster over there and it has such an opportunity to only get bigger. You do that, you do that with a little bit of affiliate marketing with, you know, your Mr. Beasts and your, uh, your I don't know, whoever else. Pick your favorite stuff when it comes down to your different niche markets. Throw it down there with Grand Thumb and Cletus and uh, whoever else, you know, cobble them all together. You know, hey, go watch this thing on on Saturday at, you know, 1.30. These guys are going to go 170 miles an hour uh, around the road course at IMS or whatever it may be. And you'd be shocked at how well that would work. Now, the ultimate kicker is, and I don't, I don't see NASCAR doing this, but man, this would be entertaining for guys like you and me, is if NASCAR just goes, nah, screw it. We're doing the whole thing for free on YouTube. And now, what does that really open the door to? Because that could be that could be YouTube shoveling money out, right? And now the the ad content in it is not going to be filtered from YouTube because YouTube takes a cut of that, right? Right. Just like the network selling the ads is getting the money from those ads yes. that they're selling. Now all of a sudden, NASCAR makes that money. How much of that money is out there? That's that's where my question is, is that, you know, if we look back at these past negotiated rates on what these networks are paying to broadcast NASCAR, right? It has to be at least that plus a dollar, plus whatever their costs are and everything. They're not doing it for funsies. So, well, and I, I agree with you. And I think that point for NASCAR, like, you know, you, you get to a point and you say, okay. Everything like from you talk about the live broadcast, right? So you talk about the equipment and everything else. You, you have all these startup costs that they have to run through, right? That obviously the networks are absorbing. That's that's their overhead and so forth. I don't know. I don't know that because NASCAR is so big from that aspect. I think they they just go, you know what? We're just going to take that big check. And we're going to split our revenue splits up with the racetracks and the race teams. And we're going to be okay with that. You handle all the other headaches. We'll give you the product and we move forward. And they say, okay, that's where we're at. Where I think now moving forward, they still want that. But I think, you know, you talk about YouTube. I right now in the clubhouse, I'm sitting down with a vodka soda water and I'll go ahead and wager a $20 bet. I think it's going to be Amazon because I feel like there's more there's going to be more marketing opportunities for corporations and companies and brands to get involved and capture that data, shove those ads and make those sales. I really feel like that's where I, I just do. I feel like it's going to be Amazon. I don't think it's going to be the entire year, but I think that midsummer piece is going to be Amazon because what do you have in the summertime? Nobody stays home. They're traveling everywhere. What do, what do we have? We can watch whatever we want, stream whatever we want from right there. I, I, that's, that's, my, that's my gut. Like I said, I'd bet 20 bucks. Uh, I don't think it'll be Apple TV. And, and I really don't think it'll be YouTube. But my, my gut was Amazon. Based on what I've watched with the Apple TV stuff and baseball, um, man, they have stumbled hard. They're, they're getting a lot better. 
but when they first started, it was, it was a little rough. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, just to, just to pick someone when they're down, like that's obviously a pulling off a broadcast like that. I can't even imagine what it is to, to pull it off and, and make it look effortless. Uh, there's so many different things that have to go right for you, but Apple TV was not really set up to be in a place for live events. Now they're trending that direction. They're trying to build it into their portfolio and stuff like that. They took a really big chunk out of the elephant when they, when they got the MLB games. And I think it shows an initiative at Apple that they want to do this. So, okay, that option is open. But are, is Apple going to throw half a billion dollars at NASCAR? To go out there and think about think about how particular fans are already about broadcasts, about how picky they already oh are God. about broadcasts. So from a brand, like from a a, a a maintaining of of your product that NASCAR has, right? Because it's don't get it's a TV consumed product. Yes, there's a yes. live option that the fan can participate in, but it is still a TV product. So at the very first fumble that Apple has, because people are going to be looking to hang them for any excuse whatsoever. So the first fumble, the first bad camera shot, the first time the feed drops because it's streaming, the, you know what I mean? Like anything goes wrong and they're going to burn Apple at the stake, right? Amazon, they may do the same, the same thing too, but think about all the practice Amazon has had to pull off with the NFL games because That's they've already done... Going. They They've already ready. done this. You got to remember that the very first time that the Daytona 500 was ever put on live, it had the same amount of cameras that the Super Bowl had. And it's never gone down, right? So every NASCAR race, the size of the production is the size of the Super Bowl, which is just astronomically large and complex. And it takes a very specific and niche group to run the thing the way it needs to be ran. You know, it's like a huge sales ship. It's how many people know that they need to set sheet out three quarters to starboard. You're like, uh huh. And so, like, that's these are the things that happen, and they're bang, 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 bang. So that's where I see Amazon being able to probably fit the bill and make the best product. I personally believe the best long-term growth solution for NASCAR is YouTube. That is my wow. personal opinion. And I, the only reason why I say that is because we've seen a whole, you know, through this whole pandemic, man, it's just weird how much stuff has changed. But you look at how many people, quote unquote, cut the cord, right? Mm -hmm. You have, and you have an older demographic that is going away. And guess what? They watch YouTube videos too. They, you know, nobody is 100% internet illiterate now. So everybody can at least figure out how to put an app on their phone and then type in the search bar this and to go look for it at that time. Okay. That's really not that hard. It's no more steps than what you have now on your smart TV. It's the same exact user input uh, steps and things right. of that nature. The other thing of it though is that if i'm a sanctioning body or i'm a i'm a manufacturer of anything i want to reduce as many barriers of entry to my for the user to have my product as possible if you ask any business owner out there if you could 
make the same amount of money that you do now, but give away your product for free, would you do it? And they say, yes, absolutely. If I can that's, make the same the amount challenge. of money. Yeah. Right. That's, if that's if the, I can make the, the same amount of money. Opportunity. Right. Because guess what it does? It grows your market share. Right. So like that's, that's the best idea. Yeah. And that's where, you know, I, when are we, when can we potentially get there and what would it take to get there? So somebody has to incur that cost, right? Like to be able to, to give it away for free there, that's where your advertisers, your marketing packages, your companies, your brands, everybody coming together. Right. And they've got to put in so that it can go out. But, but again, at the same, at the same point, you got to be able to, so, I mean, if you think about that, you made the comment, well, it's got to be at least this plus a dollar. Well, you know, we, I, I don't think there's anybody that does not believe that the new NASCAR deal is going to be with B in front of it, right? It's going to have a B. And so if it's a B and a dollar, that means we got to bring in B plus $25 to be able to break, right? Or make money to still function. And that's the, that's just a lot. And I wonder how long it will take to get there. I think we'll have to have other things in the advertising and marketing world start to change in the way companies spend money. Maybe AI has a lot to do with that moving forward. I, I, man, I'm old. I'm, it, I mean, I'm half could. a century old here. So, but I mean, you know, when I start thinking about Amazon, you know, you start talking about YouTube. I mean, the ad pieces and so forth. I think there's a lot there. I think you're absolutely right. If they wanted to bring it in house, they would probably have a greater potential to make their make more money for them, which in turn is going to have the team owners mm -hmm. and the racetracks going, "Hey, we need more piece of the pie because you're not, you know, it, we, what and you're making forget, more money now." Don't forget, NASCAR owns half the racetracks. Absolutely. Right. And now I would like for someone to, to figure this out. Cause I, I don't know the answer to, and outside of having inside information, uh, there's no way I would have the, the answer to, to this question, but FS1 does every truck race. And I'm curious if NASCAR and Fox have a similar relationship to the NHRA and Fox when it comes to that particular broadcast, because if they do, guess what? You're already paying for it. You're already, you're already doing the thing. And as an introductory, as a step to wean you away from the heroin that is the network TVs to then put this thing live. Because guess what? The truck races, when's the last time a truck race got over a million views or a million uh, rating, you know, uh, a 1.0 rating, sorry. Uh, it's got to be years years like i'm talking brad keselowski carl edwards and stuff in, in right. the truck series at a minimum okay now you can take that 90s that or sorry excuse me that that mid 2000s marketing and branding of the truck series of like these guys beat the crap out of each other you know right. they're 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 tough as hell you know it's pickup trucks in america you know the whole thing and you just reduced any barrier to put it on YouTube. You're already paying for it. And now you get 100% of the ads and not to mention your eyeballs are going to grow tremendously. I would not be shocked to start seeing 2 million people viewing a stream 
of a NASCAR truck race on YouTube. Because just look at, go back to any old NASCAR race from the 90s, 2000s that someone had a VHS recording of and then uploaded it onto YouTube and see how many people watched it. These people are wanting to watch a 20-year-old race, a two-and-a-half-hour video, and the retention rate plays. The retention rate's high. And you're like, why? What? This doesn't make sense. And then you kind of digest a little bit. Oh, people want to see this product. Go, uh, I think, what is it? Every Wednesday or Thursday, NASCAR puts out the, the replay of the previous weekend's race on YouTube, right? Yeah. Those numbers are like 25% to 50% of what the rating is, except for the cup race. Cup race is not the same. Now, imagine if you were able to do that live, right? How many people watch podcasts and guess what? They're recorded after the fact. They're not live. But when you do something live and you get that that, uh, interaction, imagine now all of a sudden the broadcast, the people on the mic now have to engage with the comment section. And, you know, people can sense that. I just think it opens up such a broad, you know, just try it. See see what can happen. I, I would be really shocked. You know, we see all these different streaming services that are offered now in the grassroots racing arena. And it's weird how these different streaming services have just amped up the competitiveness all the way down, like especially in the dirt track world. Yes. It has dirt amplified. Yes. Right. Between dirt vision and flow. Okay. Now, all of a sudden, you have people that are willing to pay to watch that thing, right? That product. I would say, obviously, because, you know, Dirt Vision has the world of outlaws. They're going to own the open wheel market. Whereas over here, you know, Flow pretty much has all the late model series. Except for, obviously, the world of outlaws, late models. The thing about that is, like, you see that money and that coverage and things like that come in. There have been new team owners come in because my stuff is now on this streaming service or whatever it is. And I can either market my product or I can make relationships to sell, you know, uh, my, my, my excavating uh, company services or whatever the hell it may be, because now I have that. That's how I made that connection. So that, that being there, that streaming service opened that opportunity. You know, some guy who is a, uh, an oil recycling business out in Butte, Montana, watches David Gravel beat the crap out of some guys down in Volusia on the track by four and a half, five and a half seconds in a 40 lap feature. And he goes, I like that kid. I like his presence. I like all these other things. Call up the team owner. Hey man, I want to work a deal out or whatever it is. Even if it's just a a little, uh, a secondary ad is what, you know, we would our secondary placement, you know, guess what? That's more money than what you had yesterday. Absolutely. Now, no, crank now put two commas in the viewership and how many more opportunities open up? Oh, I, I, you're, you're absolutely right. I don't, you know, we talked about what was free and, and obviously the listeners of the podcast know, you know, Cam and I went after James Lawrence and everything when they first started and wanted to charge all that money. And I, and I was very, very critical of, of them, right? Because the product just wasn't good. It just was not good. I don't mind paying for something, but at the product, like you talk about, you know, the quality needs to be good. And when we brought Mike Levy on from flow and he came on the show and he's like, we have work to do and we're going to do what it takes. And they have consistently 
over the years gotten better. I mean, to the point that, I mean, I do work for them now. Right. And it's right. like, I mean, it's a good quality product now. And it, oh, it, absolutely. It, if we have moments, like you said, you're going to have something drop or whatever. Everybody's going to set the world on fire. But I feel like we have to have those streaming services take care of, as you called it, the grassroots, because if not, we're never going to have any appearance, right? We're just not, we're not going to have any attention. We're not going to get eyeballs. We're not going to be able to build a brand. Um, so yeah, one thing before I move forward, I would almost be willing to bet you an ice cream cone. The truck series plays on FS1 and NASCAR gives it to them. I bet you I somewhere wouldn't be shocked. in there, there's, there, there's got to be a reduction deal. On so many of so many races, they get, you know, because it, you got to have, you know, because they are a lower series and they do have a lower viewership, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. So I, I mean, I right. bet you an ice cream cone. You know, where you can't be upset if you lose if you're eating ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I have kept you on here. I've, uh, listeners got to be losing their mind. Uh, before you go, Two questions every person that comes on Racers and Rental Cars podcast has to answer. First one, you get to send one Christmas card to anybody in motorsports. Who are you sending it to? Anybody in motorsports, I get to send a Christmas card to. Um, I would have to say it's going to be uh, the Swindell family. I've uh, I've really enjoyed what they have put together with the speed lab and their YouTube stuff. Um, and I would like to find a genuine way to thank them. All right. That's the first They have, Their name hasn't came up before second one. And this is the one that does always the fun one. You get to send one WTF card to anybody in motorsports. Who are you sending it to? <sighs> oh, this is pretty easy. Um, this is going to have to be to the, uh, oh boy. Can I group, can I group some folks together? Cause they're going to be in the same place at the same time. Sure. Throw them under the bus. That's what we like. Sure. I'd like to do it for all the, the, uh, uh, board of executives over at NASCAR. Um, just the, the whole thing, just, just at, while they're there for their annual, first meeting of the year i would love for that that envelope to be delivered right then and there there's just so many so many reasons as to why well yeah again if we can't talk about what's going on on the racetrack let's talk about what's going on off the racetrack let's distract right oh yeah can't, what, oh, what, yeah. what do they say if you can't dazzle them with brilliance baffle them with bullshit that's right that's right. It's just, man, there's been so many, so many fumbled opportunities that, that have, that have gone by, uh, in, in that, you know, one of them, if I had to harp on one reason would have to just be the power levels in the cup cars, you know, race cars oh, are supposed God, to be fast. Not, yeah. We're not going to get started on that. Uh, <laughs> hey, but before you go, Tell all of our listeners and the viewers that are watching where they need to go and find Shabs and Frankenstein engine development. Yeah, sure. So you can find us on uh, on Facebook and on Instagram. Uh, just type in Frankenstein Engine Dynamics. You'll find us. Uh, YouTube, 
same thing. Uh, when it comes to myself personally, uh, you can find me on Twitter at L underscore Shabs, and that is E-L underscore Shabs, S-H-A-B-S. On Instagram, it's uh, Shabalak, S-H-A-B-I-L-L-A-C. I don't really use that one a whole lot except to watch, honestly, like fishing stuff. <laughs> Try to keep it just there. That's my little my little place solitude. Um, and then on Facebook, Mike Shabrak. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I appreciate you for letting for letting me come on here and uh, be a part of this. You know, I, I've I've been listening on and off to this thing since y'all started the first one. I love the idea uh, and the concept of the show. What y'all been doing? It's it's very enjoyable for me. Well, I appreciate you saying that. It's been a roller coaster ride. It's been a dumpster fire. It's been hashtag shit show. And I'm just doing the best I can to talk about the things and perspectives that I that I have. Like you said earlier, different experiences, you know, different backgrounds. And sometimes, you know, society just needs somebody else to say it in a different manner for it to uh, resonate or flip a light switch, whatever the case may be. That's it, man. Everything's always just a matter of perspective. That's exactly right. Shabs, dude, really appreciate you taking time out. Kept you much longer than I planned on. Thank you very much. Tell the entire team at Frankenstein, keep doing what you guys are doing. About to get with you about one of those billet intakes for a pro charger. We got to talk. We got to talk. I got a, I got a solid combo for, for like what you want to do from valve train all the way through induction. I've got a solid combo for you. We, we, we're going to have to talk. We'll have to talk. Thanks for stopping by, Shabs. Take care. Talk to you soon. All right, Bubba. You have a good one, man. Thank you, my friend. Well, folks, there you go. I know the episode was very long. Appreciate you hanging in there. Shabs and I, we can talk when it comes to marketing and different perspectives of motorsports and media and social media. Just, I mean, we can have, we can have some long phone calls, uh, but got to close out again. Thank you very much to everyone who sent in comments, left rates, reviews about the health segment. Greatly appreciate those. Do me a favor, please go out there, rate, review, subscribe, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, whether it's on YouTube, just, just tell one person, send one person the link for the podcast or the YouTube. Help us grow as we continue to move forward uh, into a new a new area and try to grow our show. Uh, next week, strong possibility you may hear a different voice on the show, but there will be a show next week. All right. This weekend, Chicago, NASCAR All-Star Race. Do yourself a favor. Turn it on. Watch. Live stream. Listen to us. Hope everyone had a great Mother's Day weekend. Me, health segment-wise, here's my one tidbit for you. If, if you drink soda or sweet tea or sugar drinks during the day, take yourself a week and write down how many you drink in a day. And the following week, just reduce it by one-third. One-third. You drink seven in a day, come on. It's not hard to do the math, right? If you do that in two weeks' time, you'll notice a difference on the scale just by cutting back on your sugar drinks by one-third. Small baby steps as you move forward 
through 2023 and into 2024, it's going to be about being better for you, better for your loved ones, and better overall for your future. All right, hang in there with me. Make sure you impact somebody's life. Go forth. See you next week. Come on, tell one person. Thanks for tuning in. This week's episode of Racers in Rental Cars. See you next week. 